0: Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Keith Poston. As you know, each episode we focus on a central topic. This week we are exploring the role of school principals, how North Carolina compensates them, and what changes might be on the horizon. We're going to talk to principals, the head of the association that represents them, and a school superintendent who hires them, all on the show today. Like every week, before we tackle the main topic, we open with our segment we call Edlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the US. President-elect Donald Trump's education policies will likely reflect the imprint of Vice President-elect Mike Pence. As Governor of Indiana, Mike Pence aggressively expanded a voucher program that allows taxpayer money to flow to religious private schools, just like the Opportunity Scholarship Program here in North Carolina. Indiana has the single largest voucher program in the U.S. Pence also pushed for more charter schools in the Hoosier State. During the campaign, President-elect Trump floated a $20 billion block grant proposal to expand charter and private school options at the state level. If school choice becomes a defining element of Trump's vision for education, expect him to tap someone from that same world to head his education department. Still, education policy remains largely a state and local matter, even more so with the recent passage of the Every Student Succeeds Act. So it remains to be seen how a new administration may affect education here in North Carolina. North Carolina lawmakers are considering changes to the way public schools are funded after a study found that the state's current funding model is too complex lacks transparency and at times, such as in the allocation of funds for teaching positions, favors wealthier counties. The study, compiled by the General Assembly's Program Evaluation Division, was presented to a joint legislative committee last week. The report suggests either extensive reforms to the current system or a complete overhaul that would change the system to one that uses a weighted student formula. Basically, a base amount of money is allocated for each student in the state with additional funds added to that amount for students with extra needs. School districts would get their funding in this manner rather than being provided money for specific categories such as teachers and textbooks. You can be sure we will be discussing this in future episodes. A new study from the Duke Center for Child and Family Policy at Duke University just published last week found that early childhood programs such as Smart Start and NC Pre-K here in North Carolina result in higher test scores, a lower chance of being held back in grade, and a fewer number of children with special education placements. The study also found that those gains lasted up through fifth grade. This new research contradicts studies in other states that suggest that benefits of pre-K may fade. In particular, an often cited study from Tennessee that has frankly been used by North Carolina legislators to argue against increased funding for early childhood education. We will have the study's lead author, Kenneth Dodge, on education matters next week. So you will definitely want to tune in. And finally, congratulations to Wake County School Superintendent Jim Merrill, named last week as the 2017 North Carolina Superintendent of the Year. This is the third time in his career he's been named the state's top superintendent, twice here in North Carolina and once in Virginia. Superintendent Merrill has led Wake County Schools since June of 2013. School Board Chairman Tom Benton says Merrill is a visionary leader who has restored confidence in Wake County Schools. As someone who's been a Wake County Schools parent myself and also had the opportunity to work with Jim Merrill, it's definitely a well-deserved honor for one of the good guys. Congratulations, Jim. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and you can read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the program, we're going to focus this week on principals. On the show, we focused a great deal on teachers, including concerns about teacher pay and teacher shortages. But did you know that the state's latest survey of North Carolina teachers released in June of this year found that the school principal was the most important factor cited by teachers for their overall job satisfaction and when making a decision to keep teaching at their current school? Joining us for our first segment are two outstanding principals. We have Melody Chalmers, who is the 2016 North Carolina Principal of the Year. She's at E.E. Smith in Fayetteville. And we have Dana King, who is the principal of Millbrook High School in Raleigh. Thank you both for being here with us today. First of all, I wanna ask you, and I'll I'll start with you, Melody. I mean, what do you consider the most important functions uh, for a high school principal today?
1: Well, the most important function is to make sure we have a safe and secure environment for all students um, and to make sure that we have quality educators in each classroom, that is our top priority. Um, I always talk to my superintendent about the bottom line is producing results, and we have to do that by making sure students are safe um, they feel secure when they come to our schools and that they are in the classrooms where teachers are providing quality learning experiences for them every day.
0: Now, you, um, Dana, you've been uh, a principal now for 20 years, been in the public school system for 30 years. Yes. So you've seen a lot of changes. What are so, so what are the changes um, that you've seen as far as the principal role itself?
2: I think the things that have struck me in the last five to ten years is the intensity of the work with um, the advent of computers, laptops, cell phones, we are on duty 24 hours a day. Um, We have to scan social media, we are being contacted by our constituents um, throughout the 24 hours a day and we are expected to respond quickly with decisions and with thought and that has just created a very intense working atmosphere.
0: So, for both of you, I mean, you mentioned constituents, you've got a lot of constituents. We do. You, you're responsible for the teachers, I mentioned how important you are to them. you got your students, and you've got the rest of the staff at the school that keep the school running, parents, mm-hmm. the community, mm-hmm. your superintendent, um, how do you balance all that?
1: You know, it's a juggling act, definitely. Um, you. Have- have to always do what's in the best interest of the student, but you have to make sure that you're providing support for your teachers, that you're communicating with your parents, um, that you are um, allocating the resources that have come from your central offices in a way that is best for students. So you're constantly kind of weighing those factors in as you're making decisions um, and as you are just just trying to make sure that you have a a good school environment for your staff. So you you have to be involved in all of those uh, with all of those different stakeholders.
0: Any other comments on that as far as sort of juggling those um, various groups? You
2: have to know the federal experiences and the statewide and the local and the building level expectations. And so to not only know them, they change constantly, and you have to pay attention to them or you get behind.
0: Right. Now, And you mentioned, uh, I think it was uh, Melody mentioned first about social media. That's one of the things when you have issues that pop up in a school, they can pretty much be uh, national news almost immediately. That's right. I guess that must again puts on a sort of an increasing level of having to have communication and trust uh, with the teachers mm-hmm. um, and the rest of the team in the school.
2: And awareness you have to be aware that whatever is posted somebody's reading and we have to be ready to respond to it and a simple tweet can completely hijack the work of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Now Melody as a principal and, and congratulations on being named principal of the year obviously one of the things that uh, you do is, is you're the school leader I mean you all, you set the tone while the the superintendent we're gonna have your superintendent on in the second segment um, sets the tone for the school system but how do you go about um, kinda creating the culture and setting the tone in the school Uh,
1: I think that you have to be visible um, you have to be engaged, and when I say visible, it's not always necessarily um, being in every classroom all the time, but having teacher leaders and um, your administrative team, your assistant principals, on board with your vision and your mission so that they represent you even in your absence. Because being a principal is very busy. Um, I it, tell It's like a 60-hour work week at minimum many times, and so you have to be able just to balance um, but continue to push forth your vision and your mission and make sure that um, your staff, your students, your, um, all of the persons involved in your school are reaching the goals of the State Board of Education.
0: Right. Now, Dana, she mentioned the 60-hour work week. Actually, there was just a study um, just recently that estimated that, that principals um, on average work about 60 hours a week. And more in in some of the more uh, uh, higher sort of higher need, higher poverty schools. Has that been your experience over your career? Well,
2: absolutely. And we're not necessarily higher need or higher poverty, but sure. we're very complex. When you have over 2,500 students, you have all, all the activities that they want to have offered, from your athletics to your performing arts, to your booster meetings, to um, the first bus drops off at 6:45 in the morning, and we go home after the last activity causes for the night, which is, uh, it can be a struggle for some administrators.
0: Right, but I'm assuming that all this, it's a um, it's pretty fulfilling job.
2: It's an amazing job. You can't do this this long if you don't absolutely love it. And I'm in the right place at the right time and it's a great community.
0: Right, uh, uh, just some, some final thoughts from you, uh, Melody, sort of on that sort of on that vein and sort of what is it about public education that, you know, why did you get into it and, and why are you still doing
1: it? Well, you absolutely have to love children. Um, as much as we talk about the hours that we put in, there are hours that put in with love and, and, and compassion and grace for our students to make sure that they have the best um, learning experiences possible Um, and so you just really have to have a passion for kids and wanting to see them be successful and that's why I've been in education for so long and why I continue to plan to be in education
0: well North Carolina is fortunate Wake County and Cumberland County is fortunate to have both of you so thank you for what you do every day and thank you for being with us today on the show Thank thank you now when we come back as I mentioned we'll be joined by the superintendent of Cumberland County Schools and the executive director of North Carolina's principals Association as we go to break see if you can answer this question What percentage of North Carolina principals have less than five years of experience as a principal? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you guess guess 60%? That may have surprised you, but today in North Carolina, 60% of our current principals have less than five years' experience in the role. Perhaps we can dig into that, among other things, with our next two guests. They are Dr. Frank Till, the superintendent of Cumberland County Schools, and Dr. Shirley Prince, who is the executive director of the North Carolina Association of Principals and Assistant Principals Association, or my favorite acronym acronym NC Papa. Okay. So Shirley and Frank, thank you both for being here. To be here. Um, Frank, I'm gonna ask you first. Um, obviously, you have to fill these positions and find um, some amazing principals like melody who we just had on, one of your great principals. How does this low average pay that we've already mentioned, uh, 50th out of 51 states in the District of how does that affect your ability to
3: keep finding the Melody Chalmers of the world. Well, what it does is it's a distraction for coming to North Carolina and it's a distraction from people entering the profession at all. Um, it's gotten so bad on pay-wise that uh, they had to change the law to allow teacher, excuse me allow administrators to not be paid less than they would be as a teacher. So that's what they've got to correct um, and that's why we're 50th. When your principals with all the responsibilities pay less than a teacher, they, then they, they can't stay in the classroom and they can't uh, Survive, and so they leave the state, or they don't come at all.
0: Right, because we and we and we we're going to have some of these stats on the screen here in a couple of minutes when we go to break. But uh, we've seen a decline of 10% in the average salary since 2008. Um, I mentioned the 50th out of 51. So, um, and it takes um, 13 to 23 years for a principal now to move off the beginning salary schedule. Shirley, let me ask you that you represent principals and assistant principals. What are they saying about, well, one, about the, the, the pay itself and what's happened with it and where things are going?
4: Principals are uh, a very hardworking group and they rarely complain about their own salaries. They advocate for their teachers. However, a couple of years ago, the principal's salary schedule was disconnected from the teacher's salary schedule, which is why we are in the situation we are at this point. Uh, Prior to that, a couple of years ago, principals were paid uh, in a, on a schedule that was, that increased as teachers' pay increased. We are recommending that we reconnect the principal's salary schedule uh, and so that we can, a, a principal knows that there is a clear path once he or she leaves the classroom to earn more pay for um, a very challenging job that has much more responsibility. And so we're advocating that we reconnect the principal salaries to the teacher salary schedule.
0: Right. So in that, that career path you talked about, I mean, Frank, that's, I'm, I'm assuming that's where most of your principals come from. They're, they're teachers who may want to get into administration. Maybe they're getting into it because they, you know, they they want to lead, or it's just a it's a compensation issue. But they go assistant principal to principal. But you've had teacher, you've had principals and assistant principals who make less than teachers in the last few years. Is that right?
3: That's correct. Uh, that's why the the law was changed to allow them to. Ma- Not make less, and so there's not a disincentive to be an administrator, because as you talked in your last segment, uh, they put in a lot of extra hours, a lot of stress. Uh, With social media now, there's a a lot of lot of things that occur to the principal that didn't occur when I was principal years ago, and so it's it's a demanding job. Plus, they have to set the tone for the school. They have to lead and they have to be flexible to deal with whatever might come.
0: Right. Now, this is this is particularly timely having this show this week because the North Carolina General Assembly actually has a, uh, a committee meeting right now. They're actually be meeting again next week to talk about school-based administrator pay. Um, you had some comments earlier on because one of the proposals that was floated was to basically make it a um, let's call it a, like a block grant, maybe a block dollar allotment, so that a superintendent like you um, would have to com- basically negotiate salaries the, without any kind of salary scale. What do you think about a proposal like that?
3: I spoke against it for a wide variety of reasons, including the fact that in a large system like ours it would be hard to negotiate individual contracts, so what you'd end up doing is you'd end up creating a salary schedule that you would have incentives. And I think that's where the legislature has to go. We have to have a salary schedule so you can be placed so that we can deal with the inequities, but then have a way for principals to make more money based on performance. I think if they go to that, that there will be a chance to achieve. The other thing I was asked about is our history of our states since I've been here, is they've not been real good about keeping block grant funding at a high level. It's been a sneaky way to cut some budget.
0: Well, that's, that's been one of the things with block grants. You, it, once you say, well, now it's up to you, but then you don't really, it doesn't tie in directly to how many positions you're talking Correct. about,
3: right? Correct, and you end up cutting or, or using local dollars or cutting positions or taking money from someplace else to meet your basic needs. So I think it's time that we begin to fund education properly and the funding of the principalship the assistant principal would be part of that formula. right,
0: Shirley, um, your members, you've, you've always been talking about it. What do you, th- I mean, you mentioned linking it back together. Does it, do you feel like the, 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 having a salary schedule, um, is that the primary thing that we need to do, or what else?
4: I think we need a combination approach. I agree with Dr. Till. Uh, we need a sound salary schedule, well-performing that, that uh, assures retention so that teachers come into the profession and they can see a clear path for advancement and growth. And then they need the possibility to earn extra pay for increased uh, leadership responsibility roles, perhaps for um, situational kinds of things, for hard-to-staff subjects, hard-to-staff schools. And then, of course, uh, rewarded for increasing student em- uh, performance, student growth, exceeding student growth. Those are just some possibilities. So a sound, basic uh, salary schedule at layered with uh, incentive pay differentiated pay
0: right now uh, dr till I'll come back to you um, as we start to wrap up things have changed what's changed the most for you in terms of the principles and in, in trying to fill that position just to, uh, briefly
3: i think uh, the uh, the pipeline is drying up um, everything in education up. they said the millennials would be coming the baby boomers are retiring, and that would create a shortage. The baby boomers are retiring, and so there's a shortage, and the millennials are not going into administration. Well, much work to do. Thank you both for what you do on behalf
0: of education, and thanks for joining us. Stick around when we come back this week's Leadership Spotlight. This week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, appropriately enough, we meet a principal, and a great one at that. Muriel Summers is principal of Combs Elementary School in Raleigh. She is also Wake County's current principal of the year, the second time she's been honored. The school she leads, Combs, has been twice named the top magnet school in the nation. Meet Muriel. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the Borough's Welcome Fund. Advancing biomedical science by supporting research and education.
5: Our magnet theme is based on developing children into leaders, one child at a time, based on Stephen Covey's work of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, That magnet theme that we created here at Combs is now being replicated in over 3,000 schools around the world. There was no blueprint to follow. We created what is now known as the leader in me. I am the lucky one. I have been so blessed to have worked for a school district that allowed outside of the box thinking, that allowed us to be creative and innovative, all in the name of what we felt was right for children. Ms.
3: Summers has helped me and everybody else in the school become a leader. She gives everybody a chance which I believe gives everybody the confidence that a leader needs to
5: lead. So it's our job and it's part of our leadership model, if you will, to nurture the whole child. They're children who are extremely gifted artistically, but may struggle with math. They're children who are incredible athletes, but may struggle with reading. And so what we do is really capitalize on a child's strength and then we work on, um, through the lens of looking at their strengths, the weaknesses aren't nearly as glaring as if we were only looking at them through the lens of a test score. When they feel successful, they're more inclined to embrace something that's a little more challenging because they know that um, failure is just as important as success. And we teach that to our children. It's okay to make a mistake. We want you to make mistakes. Um, and we say daily, it is through those failures that greatness, true greatness, really comes. Miss Summers is very sweet. She likes to comfort people at- She loves helping people out. She is like a great principal. And I'm very lucky to have her. She wants to make sure that we understand and that we don't, even when we're not in school, we don't go out with a bad attitude or we're not sass-talking anyone, you know? She wants us to be good kids with good hearts. I hope that we're going to see a very different kind of leadership in the future and when you know that children all over the world are learning the importance of being kind and compassionate, having a voice, expressing your thoughts and feelings, um, I think there's real opportunity for peace in
2: the world.
0: If you know someone who deserves to be recognized, please visit our website at ncforum.org and click on Education Matters and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. On Education Matters, we often throw a lot of statistics at you, both during the show and on the graphics when we go to commercial breaks. It can be a lot to absorb, but consider just these two stats from today. When the state of North Carolina surveyed teachers across the state, the number one factor they cited for their job satisfaction, and when deciding whether or not to return next year to their school, is their principal. The other stat we shared was that North Carolina's average pay for principals today stands at 50 of 51 states in the District of Columbia. That's 50th. The most important factor for teacher job satisfaction, and yet North Carolina ranks 50th nationally in how we pay our principals. Just a bit of a disconnect. Our legislature is expected to look at school-based administrator pay in the upcoming session. It's needed. Today it takes 13 to 23 years for a principal to move off the beginning salary step. Couple that with how many veteran principals we've lost, that's why 1,000 of the 2,400 principals are on the beginning step of the salary schedule. And we have assistant principals who earn less than the teachers in their school. We just had an election where every candidate elected or re-elected cited support for public education as a top priority, yet our state's compensation across the board for all educators, school-based administrators, teachers, other school staff, all ranked near the bottom nationally. It has been said, don't tell me what you value, show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value. Our state has thankfully recovered from the Great Recession, not completely and certainly not equally across the state, but we are in a position now to invest and the things we value, like public education. Here on Education Matters, we're committed to sharing the real facts about what's going on in education in North Carolina. But as I said on our very first episode, we do have one bias at the public school forum. We believe in the power of public education, the power to transform lives, shape their future, and lift this state up as it has before. Let's demonstrate we value it. That's it for Education Matters this week. Next week, we're going to focus on early childhood education in North Carolina. You will definitely want to watch, so set that DVR to record Education Matters each and every week. Thanks for watching. See you soon.